Ladies, have you been led astray? Did you diddle where maybe you shouldn't have dabbled? Have you been unfaithful to your husband, wife, partner, main squeeze? Well, there's a judgment-free podcast just for you. Raw Truth, Stories of Female Infidelity, hosted by Rebecca Adams, tells the stories of these women from their perspective, anonymously and without judgment. I met the first man I had an emotional affair with online. He was far away, but he provided me with all of the emotional validation that my marriage was lacking. The first time we talked, he showed an interest in me as a person. It was refreshing. If you need to come clean, get it off your chest, confess your sins with no Hail Marys required, then Raw Truth Stories of Female Infidelity is the podcast for you. And remember, it's completely anonymous and judgment-free. Raw Truth Stories of Female Infidelity is available wherever you listen to podcasts. Subscribe today. My name is Reverend Dr. Frederick D. Hancock. And in this episode of Moms and Martinis, we talked about open heart surgery, finding love. (laughs) (laughs) You're so silly. to another episode of Moms and Martinis, where we create a safe space for tough conversation. The place you come to tell your dirty truth without the fear of judgment, humiliation, or shame. But before we get started, friends, let's make a drink. Here are all of the ingredients that you will need to make the perfect martini. Take one part laughter two parts friendship, a double dose of love, sprinkle in some transparency, and add a lot of courage. Shake all of your ingredients together and pour them into a safe space. Now don't forget to squeeze in a hug and a smile for presentation. And that, my friend, is the perfect martini. Cheers. I'm your host, the creator, and the mom, Kira. Friend, let the healing begin. Welcome back to another episode of season four, open heart surgery. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for all of the love and support that we've been receiving from the season opener. But today, this has been the episode that everyone's been waiting to hear. Okay. We have the superstar on the line today. Today, I am joined at the kitchen table with my hero, my boo. Okay. <laughs> Y'all, I got my daddy on the show. Hey, Dad. Hey, Kira. How you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Everyone's been waiting for this. And I told them, I said, well, I'm talking about my love life, and I'm going to bring on my dad. Everybody's like, 
What? Wow. <laughs> so they've been waiting for you. Okay. Well, hello, everybody. I'm glad to be here. So, uh, <laughs> you know, it's a, it's a thing. Like they said, now that the guest of honor is here, <laughs> if we can let the party get started and uh, fire away. Okay. So, of course, I'm going to call you dad, but... For the people that's listening, how do, how do you want them to address the doctor? Well, you know, they can call me whatever. It's, it's, it's what I answer to. You know, I've been called a lot of things. <laughs> and at that time, it may have been so true. But whatever they do, they can call me uh, Dr. H. They can call me Dr. Hancock. They can call me Reverend Doctor. They can just call me Frederick. You know, they can call me Big Man. No, you can't call me big man. You got to know me to call me big man. But whatever they call, I'm answering to it. All right. So good. So you all have heard the reverend. Okay. Get it together out there, people. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So I'm still going to give a martini. So as my dad say, y'all know I like to bend my elbow. Okay. (laughs) I bend the elbow. But this martini I made specifically for this show. So I'm going to put my business out there as I like to do. So my nickname that my dad gave me is called Honey Bun. That's only my daddy. Look, if y'all come in my DMs calling me Honey Bun, you're going to have problems. That is the name that my dad calls me. No one else has the right to call me that name. Okay. So I created the Honey Bun Martini. Okay. So the Honey uh, Honey Bun Martini is two ounces of vodka. One ounce of butterscotch snouts, and then one ounce of Bailey's. And you want to put that in your shaker. Make sure that your martini glass is chilled. Pour that in, and you can garnish it with like a mint leaf. You got to smack the mint leaf tight. You really get the flavors out. But that is the honey bun martini. So if you all want to get this martini, make sure that you head on over to our website at www.momsandmartinis.net. And while you're there, make sure you subscribe to the newsletter and you will receive 15% off your first purchase if you decide to get a Operation Stepdad t-shirt. Okay. So get get into it. Now, Daddy, I would say add a, a side of Coke 45 or is it Old English 800? <laughs> Low and brown, low and brown. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my dad has not. He's, it's been years, but my father does not drink. Uh, bro- how old your little brother? 35. 30, 35. 35 years my father yeah. has not drunk anything. But That's you know right. what? I come in there and make up for lost times. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So this season, open heart surgery, uh, I'm sure for those that have listened to the show already know this story. But just to recap, if you knew, I have this thing that I call hashtag Operation Stepdad because your girl is in the streets trying to find a boo. Okay. It's that he who finds a wife finds a good thing. (laughs) Boo, where you at? Okay. So in the quest of me dating and uh, trying this relationship things out, I'm like 
the common denominator here is me because things are not working out. So what turned, it started out as hashtag Operation Stepdad is now Operation Kira because I was like, maybe I need to examine the contents of my heart and decide whether or not I'm really open and receptive to love. Am I the one that's hindering my progress or is it that I just have to be patient? Um, throughout the process but an important question that I've been asking everybody this season is what makes a good stepdad so I have the perfect man <laughs> today okay so dad this is the question everybody want to know because even at your birthday party people are trying to find out how many children does the reverend have okay for <laughs> <laughs> yeah well when you count them all up, it's 13 that I know of. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> that I know of. <laughs> but, but what? Two, three, five. Five and eight. Yeah. Five, five biological, eight uh, stepchildren. Um, the oldest. Of when you're counting them all as Morris, mm-hmm. which is a, he's uh, 57. Yeah, 57. And the youngest is uh, Lady O, Mercedes. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's 28, be 29 in about a month, you know, on the 5th of October. So that time is coming up. Wow. But yeah, but they, they in between there. Yeah. So um, yeah, 13. All right. 13. So out of 13, five biological children, which I fall in that category, and then eight other children, which for a very long time, I remember when we were younger, you were very persistent and insistent that we did not refer to each other as steps and halves and that we were just brothers and sisters. And whenever that type of division would come up, you were very intentional about like this, we're not going to do this. So why was that so important for you in in terms of raising us that way? When you consider, uh, well, me personally, and I, I can't speak for anybody else, but when a person is considered being a half or step, they feel less than a whole person. Uh, They feel that they are cheated out of the love of, of their uh, parents and that uh, one is favored more than the other, but we are all family. Uh, once you look at it, we, we have a relationship of, you know, we're in the same house. We get up together. We go through the day together. Uh, we laugh together. We cry together. We eat together. Uh, we do good together. We do bad together. And at the end of the day, we're still family. When the dust settles and it gets clear, we're the only ones that we have. So it's not that, uh, you know, I give you half of me and give the other person the other half because that's not it. You know, it, yeah, it takes two, a man and a woman, to uh, procreate uh, a child. But it doesn't mean that the love is not there for that individual. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So that's it. I'm very adamant about that. You know, so, you know, you either you brothers and sisters or you, if it's all girls, you're all sisters. If it's all boys, you're all, 
brothers, if it's uh, both, it's sisters and brothers, you know. Yeah, yeah. I say that. I think that was important. Of course, at that time, I didn't understand it, you know, um, for a number of things, just the mental capacity of it all. Um, a lot of outside factors, a lot of things going on. I didn't understand it. But of course, um, when we all became uh, got under one household and as you grow and evolve and then you mature and you start having families, it began to make sense of why this was important. And for you, a man that has fathered a lot of children, whether biologically or not, in your opinion, what makes a good stepdad? Or I guess in this case, the way that you view it, what makes a good dad or father? Well, being a father, uh, it's not like buying a brand new automobile or buying an appliance or a TV. Uh, they all come with owner's manuals. Being a father is on the job training. Uh, there's going to be, there's going to be days that you'll learn and the child is so happy. Then there will be times when the communication is not there because babies can't speak and they're crying and you're trying to figure out what it's going to be. But you need to be deep down in your heart. You got to think about it. This is a commitment that's going to be there for a long time, for the rest of your life, for the rest of that child's life. And it's more important in the first 18 plus years of that child that you be there for the best that you can. You uh, have to know how to put things in priority. You know, you, you got to ask yourself. Am I ready for this? Am I ready to give up uh, buying $500 suits, $200 pair of shoes, nice automobiles, you know, hanging out, doing this because children need not only your time and attention, they need money as well to operate, uh, to grow. You know, you have to clothe them and, and everything. Am I ready to uh, step up and help my wife or you know, help my wife to do these things. She's working, I'm working, uh, house chores and things. It's, it's a lot. Sacrifice, I would say, is, is the biggest, biggest commitment, the sacrifice. And uh, God bless her. She's, you know, resting in heaven now. Um, my aunt, your great aunt, Mary Jane Allison Southall, told me when I started having children, she said, uh, well, I want to tell you something, and I mean this from the bottom of my heart. And I said, okay, auntie, what is it? She said, don't you ever, ever let your children go lacking for anything. If you don't take care of your children, don't you ever speak to me again a day in your life. And she said, and I mean that. And, of course, that was over, uh, shoot. Your oldest sister, Antica, would be, wow, she would be 50. She would have been 50 last month, mm -hmm. the 17th of July. She would have been 50. So that was over 50 years ago. So uh, I think I, I kept up to that to that promise. And uh, 
she really didn't have to tell me because your grandfather had already told me. So that was a thing. But for for a good father, you you have to be committed to the cause. If if you don't, I mean, walk away. Uh, I have my personal uh, uh, beliefs about that opinions. Uh, a man is not a man. Anybody can make a baby. Um, it takes a special person to be a father. Mm-hmm. You know, so uh, that's it. You know, men running around beating their chest like King Kong. I got children over here, children over there, whatever. Okay, fine. You have those. But are you taking care of them? How much of your time are you giving to them? Do they know who you are? Do you know who they are? You know, uh, do, what makes them tick? Do you go to school functions? Have you met their friends? You know, you, you need to make a commitment. It's a, it's a big commitment to uh, to be a father. Yeah. A and I'm glad you mentioned those other things because, of course, financially, that's a, a huge component when raising kids. However, I've learned and found that emotional and the physical connection, that spiritual connection, sometimes, in most cases, I don't know, I'm just speaking for me, my what I think, but um, outweighs that, knowing that you are able to build that lifelong connection with your child is most important. And sometimes people just think, oh, it's just about the child support. It's so much more about that. Now, you do need to pay child support now, okay? But (laughs) it's so much more that goes into um, the rearing of a child. And if you are being in a relationship with someone that has children, wherever it's coming from, it takes a lot to just be a step parent or a bonus parent coming into it. And, you know, shout out to my stepmom because I was not an easy child, okay? (laughs) (laughs) But um, I remember when I became a a stepmother and a lot of the challenges, I was just like, let me call her and apologize. (laughs) 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 Let me call her and apologize. Um, um, So a lot of the things that she did in the way that she uh, presented herself is very commendable. And you don't find many women that's like that. So she served as a, a really great role model. Um, for me but again as a kid you don't you don't be paying attention to none of that (laughs) you just know what you know in your 15 year old mind and thinking that you know everything but you don't know anything at all so um it it comes with a lot of responsibility and it's not for the faint at heart at all no it's not so I got a question, Dad. This is what the people want to know. Okay. okay. If you had to choose a stepdaddy for your girl, what mm-hmm. type of guy would you like to see me with? Well, first and foremost, I, I need a man, and I say that not loose, a man that knows himself, a man that is ready to make a commitment and not for a night, not for a month, not for a year, because storms will come and storms will go. And there will be a whole lot of bright, sunny days, but there will be a whole lot of storm, stormy weather. But for that, he needs to be able to withstand one of the questions that I ask men about that I feel have a, an interest in, in my daughter's. I say, do you smack yourself? And they said, no. 
Do you stab yourself? No. Do you shoot yourself? No. Do you abuse yourself in any kind of way? No. I said, do you take care of yourself? Yes. Do you like to get your hair cut? You know, you like good clothing and all that. So, yeah, well, I expect the same thing for my daughter. You know, you treat her the way you treat yourself. And therefore, you grow together. But he has to be able, It's your finance does play a part. And uh, I guess I might be coming up too soon with this or whatever. But I always hear young ladies talk about what a man got to have to do this, that, and the other. But my question to them, once I hear them, is I hear what you're saying, but what are you bringing to the table? <laughs> what are you bringing to the table? So, so a man, you know, to to do that, you know, he he need to be, uh, I guess, uh, scared of Jesus, <laughs> and, and, uh, <laughs> and then. And then be scared of me in that order. <laughs> Jesus first and then me. <laughs> don't let Jesus catch him doing doing something he ain't got no business. Definitely don't let me catch him, you know. But but to to do that, he's gotta be able to accept the challenge. I, and and I've told you we've talked about these about this a lot of uh a few times. You're a special individual. You you really are. I, like I told you, I found that out. Uh Two weeks after you was born, like I said, Reagan, President Reagan was shot. And and I'm a night owl. And, and you used to stay up with me and you was engrossed in my conversations with you like you really understood me. And I, and I felt you did. I know you did now as time went by. But they got to be able to understand that it's not that you are headstrong. It's that you know where you want to be. Mm-hmm. It's got to be able to accept that that it won't be about him every day. It won't be about you every day because once you decide to go somewhere or to do something that you do it, but to support you because you will support him back. I know this. Mm-hmm. I know this without a doubt, but he's, he's got to be able to support you. And there's be a lot of days that he's going to have to learn how to burn up some food in the kitchen <laughs> <laughs> to cook or, or learn how to go someplace and pick some food up and bring it home. I'm trying to but, tell um, you. Cause... Yeah, but, but yeah, he's, he's got to be able to do that. And once he, once a man understands that uh, a woman is more, I guess a lot of men are probably getting mad at me, but a woman is more durable than a man uh some women are just as strong physically as a man but a woman is more durable than a man you know she carries a baby and then she delivers a baby she raises a child she cleans a house she uh cooks she goes to work she do functions she's running one child here if she's got two or three uh one is going to football practice one's going to cheerleader one's going to basketball one is going to the to the wreck for whatever. And 24 hours is not enough. And that's where he comes in. He's, he's got to be able to do some of those things too. And they need to be able to just collapse in each other's arms at the end of the night. But he's got to be understanding. And uh, sometimes they don't understand that. You know, men and women get married at different times for different reasons. Some get married late on in life at my age because 
all the rest of that is behind them. Mm-hmm. Children grown and gone the whole. So now they have time for each other. Mm-hmm. But in in the beginning of a relationship, especially uh, career career wise, it's hard. It's hard. It's hard. You know, you have the demands on your job. You come home and the significant others demanding this. Children are demanding that. And there used to be a, a bath, a bath liquid called Calgon. Mm-hmm. And they used to have that commercial, Calgon, take me away. And that's what you want to be saying. Uh, Calgon, take me away. But yet you can say, Martinis, take me away. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what, yes. or, or whatever. But that, that's it. But, you know, a man that, that meets, meets you has, has got to be ready to deal with life and deal with reality and be able to accept it. And if he can't, he don't need to waste his time or yours. At all. all. So, yeah, Yeah. the whole thing of the traditional gender roles and stuff, I don't subscribe to that. I am very ambitious. And, you know, I've always been ambitious. If I'm going to say yes to something, I'm saying yes 100%. And, you know, I give it all that I have and try to make things work, whether that's professionally, personally, just that's just my makeup. I cannot be any other way. Um, I've tried and I'm miserable. So I, that's just how I roll. So someone does have to be very understanding to that and just willing to just go with the flow. Like, let's just make it happen. However it needs to be done. Like, let's just get it done. And I, that's what I subscribe to. There's a difference between, uh, a relationship there's a difference uh, in the marriage, and there's a, uh, and that difference is called love, unconditional love. If there's no unconditional love there, it doesn't work. That can be love there, but that, that doesn't mean that it's working. It's got to be unconditional. Uh, you have to be willing to bleed and almost bleed out, and in some cases bleed out if it's going to make the situation work. And And... That is a it's a give. It's not always about taking. You have to give more than you take. And I learned through the years and going through uh, uh, the marriage, uh, you got to you you just got to you got to keep going. That's that's a thing. If a man is not ready to commit wholeheartedly, he need not do it, and he need not be uh, ashamed or worried about what others say about him. Those that, that talk about you are going to do one of two things. They're going to talk about you in admiration because they admire you for what you're doing and wishing they could do the same thing. Or they're going to talk about you because they are scared to make a commitment themselves uh, and they want to stay miserable. So they see that you're not miserable. It makes them hurt. So they want to try to bring you with them. And that's not the way it goes. You know, man got to know who he is before he can do anything. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. I hope you all are uh, taking copious notes on these gems that are being dropped today. I always tell my um, people about my dad. I said, my dad, you ask him a simple question, you're going to get a parable. You know, so I call him AKA baby Jesus because he's a reverend that was born December 25th. So he's the great parabolist. Okay. (laughs) But it all helps. It makes sense. And so many um, amazing gems have been dropped. And, you know, I call you often to let you know how I apply those things to my life. And that's something that you also told us, you know, that 
applied knowledge is wisdom and you, yes. you have to be wise. So if you have all this knowledge, but you're not doing anything with it, it's really quite powerless. Um, but I want to go back to something that you mentioned, like, what do you bring to the table? And I have several episodes about this. This always gets very heated about what you bring to the table. Um, and that's something that I evaluate and the reason why I wanted to go into the um, podcast this season with open heart surgery, because what's important to me is that all of the things that I'm requiring of my potential life partner, I want to make sure that I can provide those same things. Right. right? So I don't want to say, Oh, I want somebody that's, you know, um, flexible, understanding, you know, good with money or great with the kids. And I'm not doing that, <laughs> you know? So uh, that's where I'm like the reciprocity. So I know the things that I bring to the table. That's why I'm less tolerant of a lot of stuff. I'm like, Mm-mm. you know, <laughs> so it's not like a, a tit for tat. It's just, I, I know what I want and what I desire. And I'm not willing to waver on that. Um, And the reason why I'm bringing this up is because, again, I like to always self-reflect before I tell somebody about themselves. You know what I mean? So I just want to make sure it's not me. So before I say, oh, and and dating in Atlanta is trash, let me make sure I'm not the trash, okay? Let me make sure that I'm doing everything that I'm supposed to do in assessing my heart and my readiness for love and making sure that I'm not intentionally going out here damaging people because I've been, you know, I've been on the other side of that, Um, which also makes it very, uh, this is very um, a good way to talk about you and your history because you've had open heart surgery. So just give us a little, uh, not, you know, you don't got to get all into your business, you know, but just a little (laughs) bit about, your experience with open heart surgery and then you know I'll hopefully it help people make better sense of why I'm using this analogy when it comes to my own love life all right okay great now open heart surgery is uh it's a condition and and it could be hereditary or whatever but it, it has a lot to do with your system, your 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 functions and in, in your organs and stuff, in your heart, your your uh, arteries, your diet, your exercise, a lot of things. But when you begin to have heart problem, there's an issue. There's something wrong. So that's that's the first thing. There's something wrong. And in order to find out what's wrong with you, that's where you have to go to the doctor and find out. Uh, you know, hey, I'm having this problem, and they they will do, you know, all the testing, the EKGs and things like that, uh, stress tests on the treadmill and whatever. But when they find out what's wrong, and they tell you, and they give you information when they are talking to you, they'll give you information to read, they'll give you websites to go to, they'll give you things to to check up on, so that you can understand what's going on. A lot of people are afraid to tell a person that they don't understand what's going on and they will shake their head in the yes in the affirmative when in all actuality they stand inside of their mind, what is he talking about or what is she talking about? I don't have a clue. But 
when you're looking at it, you're saying, okay, they explained to me how they were going to cut my sternum from top to bottom, north to south, take the rib spreaders and open up my rib cage and then cut and take my heart out and do uh, the bypass with grafts from my leg to go uh, above the blockage that uh, was affecting me. I had to understand it and I looked at the video mm. and once I seen how that was going to happen, I'm like, wow, my heart is going to come out of my body. I'm going to be on a life support system that's going to be breathing for me. And they are going to fix my heart and then put it back inside of me. And hopefully it'll start working. And so that means I got to do what's right. They, they give you a diet that you need to be on. Uh, you need to try to follow that diet. Of course, one of the first things that come out of a doctor's mouth, lose some weight, lose some <laughs> weight. <laughs> you know, easier said than done. Well, you know, uh, for you listeners out there, I, I had my first open heart surgery. And hear that word first, mm -hmm. open heart surgery in August of 1994. I had my second open heart surgery in May of 2002. And the reason why I had that surgery then was because one of the grafts did not take. I had a double bypass and one of the grafts did not take. And from that, uh, I, they had to do it again. But when you have a life-changing situation like that, uh, you got to think about it. Do you want to live or do you want to continue to do the same things that you were doing before you had that surgery? Are you ready to make that commitment? It's change. You know, there's change. Change brings about uh, a positive relationship, you know, whether it's with somebody else, if, if whether it's with yourself, with your parents, with your siblings, with your neighbors, whatever it is, change has to be a part of it. Not a negative change, but a positive change. And some things you have to give up in order to uh, go forward. I know you always uh, telling me, Ebony always telling me, uh, there we go into that storage. We can have a yard sale and make, a, <laughs> make thousands of dollars, you know. So, so that's that's change. And a lot of people have a six month rule of change, meaning if something you haven't used in six months, you get rid of it, no matter what you paid for it, where it came from, uh, except for you know things that were like family heirlooms. You you, you don't want to get rid of that. But once you get rid of it, then you realize that you have taking some of the weight up off of your shoulders and you're able to go forward and, and you can begin to see the forest for the trees. And, and when you do that, then you can say, okay, now I see how I ended up in this situation. It didn't just come up overnight. This, this is a, a time consuming thing. It, it took time for it to come to that. And, uh, when, when I went through that, uh, I understood uh, God has truly blessed me. And I haven't been to a cardiologist since 2002 mm -hmm. when I had my last surgery. 
and was released in 2002. I haven't been to a cardiologist. I'm still here. I've seen so many people have open heart surgery and die within a year or two, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that's and that's the thing. But I have not had a cardiologist since 2002. So my cardiologist is, is Jesus, and I'm going to always live with him. Uh, am I deserving of it? I don't think I'm that deserving of this, of, this, uh, of the Lord's grace and mercy, but he has given it to me. And I need to take advantage of it and and uh, go forward and do what he had me to do because only what we do for Christ is going to last. So you said a lot of amazing things, and everyone knows I take copious notes. I'm a note taker. So <laughs> I just want to just even with your entire experience and applying the analogy of me going through open heart surgery, one of the first thing you said is just it could be hereditary. So that's something that I've been examining. And another reason why I wanted to have you on the show, um, for those of you who do not know, my mom passed. So um, these are conversations I wish I could have had. But now just, again, understanding life backwards, I'm looking at hereditarily in my family makeup and the dynamic of the women versus the men in my family married and all of those things. So those automatically formulated some views about what love should look like, even without me knowing, right. It's just, that was, was in my face. So I took that, these things on. Um, But then from there, you talked about, after dissecting whether or not or deciding, okay, if it's not hereditary, making sure you understand what's in front of you and the the doctor giving you instructions to do your own self-help and research. So for me, just thinking about it with my love life, it is, is these conversations through the podcast, is me um, learning how to retrain my mind to think about love and what headship looks like in a household, um, me going to therapy to make sure that I'm taking ownership of my own mess and healing and moving on from there. So that's when you think about open heart surgery and why I'm taking this concept is what type of self-help am I doing with the information I'm getting? Um, even the information I'm getting from my therapist, like, are you, do you really understand the role in front of you? Um, especially being a divorcee, that's one of the things that we had to do was take these courses <laughs> about it. And the um, analogy that gave us is like the process of grieving. And I never really considered that. So everybody grieves at different times and different paces. So um, just understanding how even that, my divorce, my marriage, my divorce, how that's impacting the way that I maneuver now when it comes to love. Um right. And then the other thing you said was that you had to take from another part of yourself to heal yourself. So it's just, what are the other parts of me? So earlier we talked about like me being very um, ambitious and going for what it is that I want and the sacrifices that I'm willing to make um, in my professional life. I have to apply those same concepts when it comes to love. You know, because one of them, I'm quick to walk away. Like, I ain't about to do this. <laughs> and that's right. because of the decisions I made previously of staying longer than what I needed to. So now that I have the tools, 
I should be able to better assess that. So I have to continue to take from other parts of me to heal the other parts. So putting everything together. Um, and you talked about life support. That's your friend, your circle of influence, your friends, your yeah. family, who you're listening to. You said your diet, you have to shed your weight. That's shedding your old thought processes, shedding the way that you're viewing things. You have to get rid of a lot of that stuff so that you're not carrying it around. And then you talked about the two surgeries of having to go through it again. And sometimes you go and you make these drastic life moves or you get married again and it don't work, (laughs) right? Something didn't take, but it doesn't mean that that's the end. Right. You know, you just go back through it again. And I think that's the part, too, that I'm a, a bit afraid of, like committing to somebody again and then don't work. You know, that's right. that's a scary thing for me, um, which goes into a bit of me being a perfectionist and wanting to control everything. But anyway, that's we're not here to talk about that today. That's a different thing. And the last couple points that you made is like, do you want to live um, and change? So, you know, if I'm going through all of this and say, Kira, do, like, do you really want this is the question. And what are you willing to change in order to make it possible? What What are you willing to take from yourself and apply it somewhere else um, and being consistent with that? You know, so if I'm doing something and it's not working, you talk about the six months rule, if it's not working, yeah, or if you there's no need for it so a lot of these irrational fears that i have there's no need for it. i it has not applied in any situation but i'm hell bent on sticking to it that you know if this happened you know from something that happened 10 years ago you know it's just that doesn't apply to this anymore like you've got to get rid of that you're holding on to it it's it's actually taking up space and then sometimes costing you money you know what i mean because you're holding on to stuff that you don't know no longer leave need and then the last two things here you said you know some people die and when i you know from it and then some people like yourself you you go on to live and you don't have to go back to it. And then when you think about that in terms of love, some people never find it. Like they give themselves over to this concept or ideology about it's not going to work and the reasons why they cannot trust anyone. So they kind of stay in that place and they're single forever, you know, and then some people go at it again, <laughs> like yourself and hopefully me one day, like yourself, go at it again. And, you move on, you make the necessary adjustment and changes and you move on and you live life happily ever after. So it's a lot. It's, it's a lot. It's a commitment on, on each other's part that they have to be, you have to be willing to do it. And if you're not, don't do it. Uh, it doesn't make you any less of a man that you don't have a woman. It don't make you any less of a woman that you don't have a man. Yeah. Uh, and and that's it. And some people need to know who they are. Yeah, yeah. On that note, we're gonna take a break because I that's what I've been <laughs> questioning. I said maybe this, maybe you know, this ain't the life for I me. Mean, who knows? But we'll see. So we're gonna take a break, and we'll be back shortly. pretty good. 
So far, make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you for your support. Now, back to the show. You know, that's that's my song right there. That's my song. <laughs> hey, that's, that's nice. I like that. So, okay, this is what the people want to know, that the people in the streets wants to know, how was I as a child? Mm. Besides angelic and never, you know, doing any, not just like. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was hard to get her wings in the door. <laughs> the survey has determined that was a lie. <laughs> no, uh, Shakira, as a, as a child, was was very ambitious i mean she she stood out simply because she was tall was always the tallest one <laughs> for her age group and everybody used to think she was older than what what she was but she she learned a lot uh she always had a positive attitude toward wanting to learn uh you know she she had a uh, two of her nieces that she kind of grew up with. Uh, and, you know, they were more like sisters as opposed to aunt and niece. And I guess they still, they basically still the same way today as sisters as opposed to aunt and niece. And uh, she was always willing to, to help. Uh, very smart, very, very smart. Uh, that gene skipped over me, so she must have got that from her <laughs> I got mom. a double dose. <laughs> <laughs> she must have got that from her mom, but but uh, she has always been in the in the top three percent, you know, of her class, uh, always, and uh, she she does that. I mean, she didn't she didn't get any trouble uh, as a kid, you know, uh, being a child is being a child. Uh, she had her moments where she would, uh, you know, sit there and, and, you know, play with the dolls when she could, but then she didn't always want a doll, you know, she wanted books and, and mm-hmm. that's what we wanted her to have. And that's what I made sure that she got, uh, she wanted books. Uh, she might've had a TV show or two that she looked at, but she really wasn't all of that about, a, about a TV show, but she was always willing to learn. And uh, that's what she would do. And she would experiment with certain things of, of life learning uh, experiences and to, to go forward. Uh, her mother did a great job uh, raising her. I would always let her know that. And uh, she did. She, she did a great, a great job. And that's, that's a whole new different story. Uh, 
their relationship, but she was very, very go-get-ish, so to speak, mm-hmm. and uh, still is, still is, you know, and she don't take no for an answer. So Not um, at all. <laughs> I don't even think she know how to spell no. <laughs> no, it's K-N-O-W. You just you don't go. know that you're going to say yes to me yet. <laughs> there you go. There you go. And, and uh, that's the thing. So she she's that. Uh, she's on point. She's on time. She gives of herself uh, unselfishly. Uh, she goes sometimes hours without sleep. You know, because she's doing something, she's working on it. So if there's any men out there drinking the 40 while you listen <laughs> to mom and martini, <laughs> understand that that uh, you have to go one step further than her. And if you do that, that's it. I always told my daughters, um, if you find a man that does half of what I've done, then you need to stay with him and work on it because you can make something out of it. When her mother passed back in 19, in January of 1998, matter of fact, to be exact, January the 10th, because my grandson Richard's birthday is that day, mm-hmm. uh, January the 10th, 1998. Uh, she's not the oldest child, as I mm-hmm. stated earlier, but she was the one child that I could give the instructions and directions to of the things that needed to be done to close out her mother's affairs and stuff because I had to come back here to Maryland and, uh, and go to work and prepare for them to come up. And and she was able to do that. She handled that at 15 years of age. She was doing uh, grown folk stuff of on the business level for family. And uh, my mother died when I was nine and uh, 15 days before I turned 10, my birthday is Christmas. And, uh, she died on December the 10th. And I kind of went backwards a little bit after she died. Being the youngest, I was always with her. And Shakira kind of went backwards a little bit. She grades began to slip a bit, you know. Because I was uh, in them streets. Not yep, 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 you're right. And so I found out what was going on. I said, let me go get this child. Let me, let me go get this child. Got out of them streets. The streets started to look good. Yeah, <laughs> Got smashed so, uh, right on up. <laughs> yep, yep. She was being gobbled up or if I had left her down there, who knows, you know. Oh, Jesus, no. But um, <laughs> she came here and things got better. And she had a new start, a new place, a new beginning. And the the teachers at her school, uh, Forestville High School in Forestville, Maryland, uh, were so amazed at her and her knowledge and her talent and her skills. Uh, she'd done a little bit of everything down there. You name it, she did it. She cheered. She was on this committee and that committee, AP classes and uh, all kind of stuff. You name it, uh, she did it. And uh, wow, I forgot the man's name. We talked about it the other day. <laughs> Mr. Couch. Yeah, Mr. Couch. Mr. <laughs> Couch told me, told her, he said, she is brilliant. I like to see where she's at in 10 years. And, you know, just going on, going on. And she says she still keeps in touch with him. But I think more so than anything, uh, I'm not amazed. I, I And I'm not surprised. I know they can do it. But the best is yet to come. So, uh 
yeah, she she was she was good. Like I said, you know, I didn't have no problems with her. You know, I, I think uh, just one time she tried to pull the wool over my eyes, and that's a different story. <laughs> oh yes, Lord, <laughs> that's, a, that's a different story. But uh, 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 oh, that was and, a huge and, lesson right there. Yeah, and and that was uh, <laughs> that was a thing. But it's 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 all good. It's all good. You know, I I wouldn't change it for nothing in the world. If I had to do it all over again and do it the exact same. Probably in the same content, but uh, in a different manner. Yeah, mm-hmm. in a different manner, you know, and yeah. and everything. But I'm uh, I'm so proud. I'm proud of all of them. All of them are, are making contributions to life, whether it's positive or negative. They're making it uh, rather that they all be positive, but some are not, yeah. and that's okay. You know, that makes the world go around. Yeah, and, uh, and it makes up the family. But she. And 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 to put the icing on the cake and the exclamation point, she just spoiled rotten. Rotten, rotten. Touche, touche, touche. No arguments. That that is true. You know, I got accustomed to a very specific standard of living, yeah. and um, to this day, my friends and even my children just talk about just. Mom, you're so bougie. They told me that yesterday. You know, I just say I'm bougetto. You know, a little bit of bougie, yeah. a little bit of ghetto, a perfect mix of both. <laughs> yeah. But the other thing, too, is I am 100% a daddy's girl. Um, yes. Just, I've always been in love with my daddy. And I think that's the, the same for most young ladies, Um and the thing and we talked about this but I've never asked the question this way so for those of you listening my parents divorced when I was very young I have very few memories of you all together um I have very specific memories with my mom with my dad but not necessarily together but um, one thing about my mom, and I don't know, she, she, you know, she's not here to tell me, but she held on to the idea that you were coming back and that was subconsciously fed to me. And I love my daddy. I just thought like, he, oh, he'll be back, you know? And I remember you moved back to Maryland and we were living in this house on Nolan Avenue and I had this big bed that kind of set up off the ground you know I had to skirt under it and I remember the phone call I don't know exactly what I asked or what it said but that's when on that phone call it became very clear like no he's not coming back and I remember running getting under that bed and they would like put the food on the bed like I would not come out I was crushed um, and we've talked about it on my end, but I've never asked you, how did you feel in, in that conversation when you knew that, like, my heart was broken? That was the first time, in my opinion, like, my heart, I was devastated. Um, so, but how did that, how did you feel having to communicate that to me and not be there to, like, physically console me? That was, wow, that was, uh, hmm. Oh, Lord have mercy. Uh, that was a tough time. That was uh, a very, very, very tough time. Uh, you know, uh, I just, it was a point of things were, I guess, at a point of of, of, of hope. 
per se. Uh, water boils at 212. And, and I, I, I feel that you you was up around 210, 211, and you were waiting on that other to come about. Uh, and I used to try to tell you, and I was trying to tell you in so many ways, in so many words every time, was that it was nothing that you and, and your brother did. It was your mother and I, what we couldn't do together. Mm-hmm. And and that's uh and that's a thing that that makes uh a relationship when you go like that with your children kind of difficult when you're not there to, to do that. And uh and when that when that happened, I could hear it in the phone. I wish I could and basically almost see it through the phone through the phone. Mm-hmm. And and it was a uh, it was rough, you know, the tears and the boohooing and uh you had just kept out kept on asking me, say, you coming back when you coming back, when you coming back, you know, uh y'all getting back together. And I kept trying to tell you, no, we're not. Would not, you know, and I think your mother was kind of hopeful too because mm-hmm. we had been, I guess, separated. Uh, where was I? I left and went to Japan. I left and went to Japan, and when I came back from Japan, you all were gone back to Atlanta, and uh, I wasn't in a hurry to come there and. Uh, for for people listening, we were living in Tennessee at the time. In Memphis, yeah, mm-hmm. in Memphis, yeah. And uh, ended up, uh, your mother was pregnant with, with your little brother. <clears throat> and so one thing led to another, and then, you know, he was born, and I came down, and that was, what, 86, yeah, 86, and mm-hmm. uh I looked for a job. I got the job there at, uh, it was then Georgia Baptist Medical Center. Uh, but, and things were trying to, they were trying to get back together, but it, it just didn't, it just didn't go. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and people understand what I'm saying. It's not always the relationship of, of, uh, what, a, what a man does with his wife, but it's the relationship that he's got to love his children. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's going to be tough decisions. You know, that hurt me. Yes. You know, I, I had two daughters that passed away and one, one died at viral pneumonia. She was two and a half. That was uh, devastating. Uh, I found in the bed uh, that morning and uh, she was, she was gone. The other one lived exactly 24 hours mm-hmm. and uh, she was a preemie and that was back in 75. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then that really hurt. And I was with her, I guess, 20 of those 24 hours because the other time they were putting it together. And, and both times it took a lot out of me uh, and it took a lot out of me when, when I knew my daughter was just, she, I think at that, she turned, she did a 180 that day and went and went in the opposite direction. And I think the things that began to happen to her in her mind and her mental capacity started that day. And it took a while. Uh, she wouldn't talk to me. Uh, 
I found out she understood, uh, she, she was speaking two languages. I used to speak two languages at one time too fluently. And she was speaking two languages of uh, fluently English and profanity. So she was, <laughs> 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 yeah, she was, she would use both of them on me and, and, and it hurt. She would hang up on me and things like that. And, and it hurt. And I used to go get them in the summer and bring them uh, here to Maryland. And, you know, we tried to spend time together. And that took a while. It took a while. But to, to make the long story short, uh, I kind of wished I could have come down and made that uh, presentation, so to speak, in person mm-hmm. as opposed to over the phone. Uh, I, I think it would have been a lot yeah, it still would have hurt, but it, it wouldn't. I don't think it would have hurt as bad. And uh, I, I guess the tantrum might have started, especially getting ready to go out the door, you know, mm-hmm. uh, holding on, dragging me, trying to pull me back or whatever. Uh, it, it, it was just rough. I, I wouldn't wish that on nobody, but yet by the same token, mm-hmm. I had to pray about it. And, uh, I asked God to, to help me get through that. You know, uh, I felt I had lost her. I, I really did. And uh, it went, you know, I had my moments. Uh, my wife would, would come home and she, uh, she would look at me and she said, hmm, been on that phone again, aren't you? And, and she knew because I wasn't bitter. I, you know, I wasn't flipping stuff over, things like that. Right. But it, it, it's, I wore it on my face. I wore it on my sleeve and, and you could see it. But I had to go forward and put other things in my mind and and work on it. But uh, to be able to, Lord, I, I'm not trying to get no tears in my eyes. <laughs> no <laughs> tears. But to be able to remember the breakthrough and, and her forgiving me and and our relationship started to get better, and we began to talk more, uh, more and more, and and everything. And it was just like being a kid, uh, you know, going from elementary school to middle school, and from middle school to high school, and graduating and going off to college. You know, you you have those relationships and those conversations, and and that's mm-hmm. the thing. And uh, and hey, we we here now. This is twenty twenty one, and uh, yeah. this. This went down thirty some years ago. Yeah, yeah. But, but it took a while. It took a while. It took a that while. that it did, um, and that's why I was like, "Oh, my dad, first man I love, first one break my heart." Um, and I didn't really fully understand the impact. Like I knew that my parents weren't together. It, it was hard to put into words, and I know my mom held on to the idea that we would be a family again and that's tough because that's what was being fed to me so it was like this lost hope so I built a lot of resentment like well you not holding up your end of the deal like you supposed to come back you know so that's what I kind of you know felt that and then when my mom passed and having to go live there it was just a whole adjustment um, like you said because I was 
my mama she's spoiled us with a lot of material stuff right she liked to shop she didn't do nothing yeah. else we was gonna shop every week um so it was just that whole adjustment the grief and then now like the realization of like I knew that um I had my my sisters there and you know my stepmom was there but then to be in it it was just a lot to process and I didn't do the best job of expressing that and you know maneuvering through it and it was when I think I was 27 and by this time I had been married for four years stepmother going through the stuff with Kayla um had a kid and I'm just like a lot of this blockage that I have when I begin to go to therapy because I'm like like this can't be my life (laughs) like this cannot be my life it wasn't the life that I had desired for myself um and when I was going through therapy I'm like I gotta get over this stuff with my daddy like I just gotta let it go and that goes back to the open heart surgery what 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 is weighing you down that's keeping you from where you need to be um and this is again after some years I had called and used my second language which is profanely (laughs) (laughs) and left and then had the audacity to put it on the voicemail so it could be played back everybody was calling why would you talk to your father like that he's a great man and I'm like but not to me nobody's listening to me you know this whole thing (laughs) Uh, but once I had that breakthrough through therapy and like the like understanding, it was just really a cry for help and a cry to be heard. And I called and I was like, you know, um, I blame you for nothing. I forgive you for everything. Like, how do we move past this? And you, you know, just like you, I just been waiting for you to come back. <laughs> you know, like I've been here. Yeah. And um, and for me in that moment, it was most appreciative that it wasn't going back and blaming me and highlighting all of, you know, the imperfections or whatever, it was more so immersing me with love, you know? So when I think about this season of open heart surgery and our relationship being the main, I guess like the frame of how I view men, (laughs) you know, it's the frame, um, so it's helped me to understand that there is, you know, healing and that you can recover from tough things and something that I've had to learn for myself and even tell my children, um, having now divorced in, it affected more so Madison than King uh-huh. and Willow because they just kind of don't get it. You know, they don't really have memory, but I have to tell them all the time and even myself, I said, you have to be careful what you choose to remember Versus the things you choose to forget. So I was remembering intentionally because I wanted to hold on to this hurt. Choosing to remember the lack instead of and forgetting the abundance of things that I did have. You know, so I mean, once that kind of shifted in my brain, I could recall so many other things like, girl, this man been loving you. You tripping. You know what I mean? It's just, you know, it was the physical distance of it all. So the more I began to do that and the more our relationship began to change, the more, uh, I guess, I don't want to say expectation, but the more I required from the men in my life. Your stepmom, when when we met, one of the first things I told her is that I have children. My father don't come in between me and my children. 
His mother don't come in between me and my children. My siblings don't come in between me and my children. My aunts and uncles and all of, nobody comes in between me and my children. And you won't come in between me and my children. As our relationship began to grow, she stuck her foot in the door one day and tried not to let that relationship grow. And I told her, I said, it's over. Just like that, it's over. What do you mean? I said, you trying to come in between me and my children. And I told you, nobody comes in between me and my children. Mm -hmm. I mean that. So our relationship is through. And um, that thing went through, that, that went on, uh, I guess, for pretty close to about three or four days, maybe. And then finally she apologized and said, she's sorry, she won't try to do that no more. I said, I just want you to understand that. I mean that. When I tell you something, I mean it. I mean it. When it comes to my children, I mean it. And you are not going to do that. And she may remember it. I'm quite sure she does. But that was 1980. You were probably five or six years old. That was either 86 or 87. I think it was 86. It was 86. So you were five years old. Well, I would say in my experience, no matter how much of a butthole I was, I have never felt or experienced that with her. Never. Oh my God, I'm getting emotional. <laughs> <laughs> and um, that's why I had to call her and apologize. Like, I don't even see how you did this. <laughs> like, for real. Because especially when you're being mistreated because of the person who you love and you want to be with them. You know what I mean? So... I've never felt that or experienced that with her. And for that, I'm forever grateful. She set a really amazing example of what that should look like. Wow. So, oh, my God, I'm emotional crying. I said I wasn't going to cry. Yeah, I appreciate that. That, That's my favorite. We we got... uh... Yeah, she years. she ride with you. I tell, yeah. I was like, look, if I don't love you for nothing else, which there are other reasons, but at that time, like, if I don't love you for nothing else, I love the way you love my daddy. Like, she yeah. love you. Yeah, that's my baby. You, you know, know she, um, Yeah, I tell people in 35 years, I can hold up both hands as eight fingers and two thumbs. And I can count the number of times we had an argument and not a finger or thumb will go down. Mm-hmm. They still up, and that's thirty-five years. Not a one. We have not had an argument. Has she always agreed about the things that I've done? No. Have I always agreed about some things that she done? Ninety-nine point nine 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 percent of the time, yes. Uh, but it's a love that we have for each other, you know. And uh, I guess it's coming. I think you said it's going to come sooner or later, but. I'm going to say it now. The things that I did when we were dating, I still do right now to till this day. And, it's, you know, especially if she get the time. We just Tuesdays used to be our date night. Mm-hmm. We go to a movie and 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 I would take, uh, let's see, it was $5 for the movie. That was 10 And I would spend like $16 and uh, I mean, six dollars mm-hmm. and you age yourself, daddy. Because yeah, them, them the ticket cents. prices right now. <laughs> yeah, and uh, that six dollars and thirty six cent would be three dollars a piece for me, her, 
uh, and we would go across the street from the theater. Matinee. So they always yeah. at the daggone matinee all the time. We want to yeah. go. <laughs> yeah. we, we would get the uh, mac chicken sandwich, a small fry, and a sweet tea. Mm-hmm. So that's six dollars and thirty six cents, and and pen, and spends ten dollars on the movie. And we do that, and that's what we do. We spend time together. It doesn't have to cost money. Uh, we we ride together, we talk together, we walk together. Uh, not walk like she walked those four miles. <laughs> but you know, we do things together, and uh, that's what it is. And I mean, she she she's uh, she's, she's a virtuous woman. She's a virtuous woman. Yeah, she and, is. And, she's she she is. She, yeah, yeah. I, you don't meet them like that. They don't make them like that no more. <laughs> and that's my baby but she's she's a like trooper that. she's a trooper and yeah. I I, uh, I love her dearly you know I, I don't know I guess the good lord sent me to Atlanta for a reason was to to get her I, I don't know you know but but that was the thing but uh, when, when, when it's all said and done uh, I think more so than anything uh, having experienced what I did with you on that day. And and that was, that was on a, what was it? That was on a Sunday when we was talking. That, I don't know. Your memory. Yeah. Good. It, it was on a Sunday. It was a Sunday afternoon. Yeah. It was a Sunday afternoon after church. And, uh, and we had that, that discussion. Your, your brother, he didn't know he was just ripping and running. That's all he was doing, playing in the dirt and having fun. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it was on the Sunday. It was on the Sunday afternoon after church it was about three thirty, four o'clock in the afternoon and uh that thing went down like that and hey it kind of went down here but but the good lord blessed us and and kept us uh and everything and and i tell people in a minute they know my my saying one of my favorite sayings is that i still got one good fight left in me <laughs> and i'll beat a red brick back to sand over the women in my life yes lord like, we know we know <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's it all yeah. right so um i have one other question and then from there we're gonna do a rapid round my wrap around i have five questions that this season i'm asking all of my guests the same question but before we okay. do that the question of the hour is do you think that i'm ready for love like lifelong partnership love do you think i am not right now that's truthful because you 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 almost at the pinnacle of of the finish line that you're trying to cross right now mm. and you don't need that extra baggage so to speak you need to cross that finish line. Now you can write that into your next goal, but right now you 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 at that you at that finish line. So no, you don't need it right now. <laughs> cross that finish line first. When you cross that finish line, then hey, that can be something worked on in, in the next goals. Yes, because right I be now. getting to the money. Hey, yeah, everybody mad. No, I'm yeah. I got my hour of the prize. I'm trying to get there. Okay. And, and okay. You, don't, you don't want to be distracted Mm-mm. because that's going to be a distraction. And women, you listening out there, listen to me and listen to me and hear me what I'm saying. But don't do that. Don't let a man distract you from reaching your goal. Reach your goal. And when you write your itinerary for your next goal, you can include him in it. But 
don't let him stop you from reaching your goal. Oh, Dad, I can't have nobody while I'm doing this, though. You don't think so? Like, I they last on the totem pole. <laughs> They have to be the last. They have to be the last thing on the list of a thousand things to do. You got nine hundred and ninety-nine things ahead of him, and he's the one thousand. If he's still there waiting on you with open arms, abated, abated arms, open up, you know, unconditional love, then that's the one. That's yes. the one. I think I, I, I surmised that in the first episode that came out with BJ. I'm like, I think I am ready. Like I have all the tools. I'm just, I don't know, maybe. Maybe it is the timing. It's just you right. got to you got to be able to move and shake. And if not, like I don't know, maybe that's something I'm, I'm putting down on my next therapy list because I be leaving them. Like I ain't got time for this. I got to go. I got yeah. stuff to do. That's <laughs> but true. That's, that's true. You know, it's 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 a that's it's not a thing. good though. All the time though, like I got to yeah, settle down. Thing. Before I was uh before I became a hundred pounds overweight, thanks to your stepmama and, and lost my hair. <laughs> And I was single. All the while I was married, all the all the women that I wanted to talk to or whatever were like off limits. But then when I was in between marriage and I'd be looking, they like, uh-uh, I ain't fooling with you. Uh, I got somebody now. So you know those things like, and then make you wonder. You stop. And you say, you scratch your head. Am I ready for this or, or what? Am I looking in the wrong place? Yeah. Uh, is this not the individual? See, the one that we think has the least to offer has the most. Mm. They have the most. The one that has the least to offer has the most to offer. And and a lot of men miss that. You know, everybody want a Coca. Every man want a Coca Cola bottle shaped woman. I got a SpongeBob uh, body. No. <laughs> 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 okay, <laughs> they want that that Coca Cola bottle woman, uh, uh, looking like Beyonce and and everything and all of that. And I'm saying some of them and 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 women don't get mad at me. And I'm just speaking the truth. They said, uh, "Tell the truth, shame the devil." Some of the most beautiful women in the world have nothing in between their ears, mm. nothing at all. And you're looking at them, and you're saying, "Wow." What's going on here? Abraham Lincoln said, it is better to remain silent and thought of food than to speak up and remove all doubts. That's a twofold <laughs> process. People look at you and see how foolish you're going. They say, is this really right? And then when you speak up, they say, yeah, they're foolish. And then they look at you and feel you have nothing to offer. But then when they ask you something and you speak up, they say like, wow. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's a twofold process. Yeah, it's better to remain silent and thought of food than to speak up and remove all doubts. Because when it's time to speak, and Ecclesiastes, it tells us, you know, there's a time for everything. And you got to know when that time is. And there's nothing wrong. Uh, so something that I <laughs> I read the other day on, on one of these social media sites, and I saved it. It said there's uh, three, there's three places you can stay for free. Mm-hmm. In your lane out of my business and over there. Mm-hmm. There you go. <laughs> so, so when, when, when you do that, it, it makes a difference. Mm-hmm. It makes a difference. Yeah. There Three you places go. you can stay for free in, in, in your lane, I saw that. out of my business 
and over there. Please go mind your business because I'm minding yeah. mine. <laughs> that's it. And, 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 and that makes a difference. But uh, yeah, that's 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 basically about it. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. So now it's time. <laughs> this is good for the rapid round to close everything off. Um, and as I mentioned, this season, I am asking everyone the same five questions. So okay. you can say word, phrases, whatever comes to mind. Don't overthink it. Just the first gotcha. thing. Gotcha. Okay. So the first question is, who was your first love? Love or puppy love? Love. Whatever Uh, you want. Opal. Opal. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Okay. I'm not going to put a last name out there. Shout out to Opal. No, just (laughs) (laughs) like. Okay, number two. Uh, When was the first time you had your heart broken? Oh, Lord. Hmm. I guess in junior high. Yeah, junior high. Okay. Number three, describe love. Hmm. Love is more than a feeling. It's better than gold. It's better than a cool, cold drink of water on a hot summer day. Love will make you do anything short of murder (laughs) yeah good all right number four what is intimacy being able to share your most deepest darkest secrets with that individual knowing that it's going from breast to breast and no further Mm -hmm. and knowing that hey make no difference what happened they say I got your back Mm -hmm. good yeah all right, and last question. What's most important in sustaining a healthy relationship? To thine own self be true. Mm-hmm. Period. Exclamation point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, very, very good. Oh my gosh, we made it to the end. How yeah. was it your first podcast appearance here? <laughs> That was great. I, I, I loved it. Uh, hopefully to get back again. Uh, probably need to do the Oprah, have a book club down there. I come down. <laughs> I know some of the women want to want to hear it, but women understand this. It took me a long time to realize that it wasn't always the woman that I was dealing with that was uh, messed up. It was me. Mm-hmm. I had to do a Michael Jackson. I had to start with the man in the mirror and uh, I had to understand what was going on. And once I made that change, then my life changed. And uh, those that are meant to be in your life will be there. And those that were not meant to be in your life will move on. And it's okay because you're in in a person's life for a season and for a reason. And you just have to know what that reason is. And don't let it be in the wrong season. So that's that's the thing. But yeah, but having to do all over again, it would definitely be different because I messed over some women mm-hmm. and had to apologize for being a fool. Yes, I did. Ain't no shame in my game. Mm-hmm. 
you know, life is for the living, as Anthony Hamilton say. So why don't you get up off the porch? <laughs> yes. Yeah, so that's it. So live your life and uh, you'll be okay. And if a man don't treat you right, let him know. He the one who lost the good thing. Because mm-hmm. the book that I read said, man that finds him a wife finds him a good thing. Yep. And my good thing would be off work in two hours. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah. and my good thing, wherever you at, go ahead and slide in my DMs. No. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. <laughs> but right. you got to be questioned by me first. <laughs> <laughs> of course, I've learned that. So thank you all for joining us this week on Moms and Martinis. Make sure to follow the show on Twitter and Facebook at Moms and Martinis and Instagram at Moms and Martinis Pod. If you would like to be a guest on the show or have a show idea, please go to our website at www.momsandmartinis.net. And don't forget to subscribe to our newsletter. While you're at it, check out the Operation Stepdad t-shirts. If you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a ratings on iTunes or simply tell a friend about the show. That would help us out, too. Until next time, as always, continue to mind your business. <laughs>